Let's pray first. All right. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to the concluding, concluding uh, part of this uh, time. We ask that again you will bring people, those who are on their way, help us now as we turn to your spirit to be our teacher and guide and your word, which is a light to our path. Commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, what is to me the biblical, what the Bible really says in this area? What happens, what is required uh, from the Christian? And here I, of course, turn to Paul because uh, he makes the most sense. And uh, look at the verses. Uh. In Philippians, Paul says, uh, by the way, before I say that, uh, the, you know the subject is Christian maturity. Christian perfection, the word perfection to me is a very bad translation, again, because it's old English. We all have a very different view of perfection uh, in our time. Perfect means absolutely no flaw. And that means perfect. Yeah, um, I think the Bible does not talk about that kind of perfect. Only God is perfect in that sense. Yeah, But the Bible word is teleos, which you will see later. Teleos is best translated mature. Um, you know, there's Hokkien term for not so right is a half green, half green, uh, half green, uh, either right, half green right, or half green cook. Ah, uh, ah, uh, teleos is the opposite of that. Okay, teleos is completely mature and boiled and ripe and cooked. You understand? Uh, so if you want to understand, teleos is the opposite of more chesic. Uh, anybody? Is it first time? Anybody first time hearing this term? Oh, you okay? Never mind. All right. Some people they're not admit it, but teleos it to me is best not translated perfect, but uh, mature. Okay, complete in that sense. Uh. So, if you want to give a justification for perfect the use, it's like uh, saying um, a baby, for example, uh, you know, at two months or four months or six months, you can chart their development. You can say the, the, the baby at maybe nine months is perfect for their age. Huh? That means they are moving in the right direction. Huh? But if the baby at three years is the same as the, as the same quality at nine months, there's a problem, right? Okay, so that way of perfection, if you want a way of viewing perfection, you can view it like that. But I would prefer to use the word mature. Okay, so Paul's, Paul gives us uh, the framework and the understanding, and how important uh, it is, and the place of uh, maturity in the Christian. So in Philippians, this is my favorite portion of all of Scripture. In case you don't know, uh, in the Old Testament is Exodus. Uh. Uh, Old Testament, I have two. Uh, Nehemiah 3 and Exodus 33, but never mind. In the New Testament, this is my favorite portion. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so how, somehow, not, uh, and so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I press on 
to take all hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has called me. All of us then who are mature, teleos, should take such a view of things. And if some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I don't know whether you understand uh, the passion in which Paul is writing when he's saying, I press on uh, to take hold of this and that is what mature Christians should do. Okay, um, Many years ago, there was a musical written by Cam Floria called The Apostle. Anybody knows it, has heard about it? Yeah. Uh, when I first heard it, I, I listened to it about 70 times. Uh. It's like a set take, can I just listen, listen? Because I was very taken by the whole uh, composition. The, big, the, the, song, the song that starts was My One Aspiration, based on this passage. This is my one aspiration for getting what lies behind, I press on. Same words that are used. And this is Paul's goal. This is his personal uh, goal in his life as a disciple of Christ, to press on upward, uh, in my mind, to Christian maturity. And he um, confirms this in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. When Paul writes, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend, not content, sorry, contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. So Paul's personal goal uh, revolves around Christian maturity. His ministry goal is also around Christian maturity because he's saying all Christians ought to come to the end mature in Christ. Now, of course, there are different levels of maturity, but uh, the question is, are you maturing as a Christian in accordance with your spiritual age? Is it possible that a person has been 25 years as a Christian but still the spiritual age of a three-year-old? You'll find that, of course, this is true okay um, therefore uh, Paul says everyone needs to be presented mature in Christ and he says I put in all my energy to do this personally he says I press on toward the goal mystery wise I give all my energy to do this to present everyone mature in Christ so that must be important right I mean you agree that the conclusion is reasonable. Lah. It must be quite important. So the word again in, in the Bible is teleos, not absolute perfection or flawlessness, but completion, reaching an end, fully grown and mature. Uh, in Philippians 3, Paul just says, ende, one thing, or but one. What is translated, one thing I do, is only two words, but one. That's how the importance and intensity of his uh, 
purpose is. And Colossians says to pres uh, present everyone mature in Christ, every ounce of his energy. So what is Christian maturity? Um, my presentation starts with, again, Apostle Paul in Galatians 4.9. says, My children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You must forgive Paul uh, for pretending he knows what it means to be a mother giving birth. Uh. <laughs> this is one of the things women may not want to... I want to tell Paul, you have no idea what you're talking about. But he uses it, of course, as a metaphor, as an analogy. He says he struggles with the agony of childbirth until Christ is formed in the Christian. And the word formation here is actually the root of what we call now spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. What is the goal of spiritual formation? Christ formed in the Christian. Okay, that's the goal. But for Christ to be formed, so that was the first part, huh? the definition of maturity. Second part, the problem with spiritual formation or Christ forming in us is the problem of sin. Because my understanding of uh, spiritual formation, Christ formed in us, uh, is the, I suppose you can call it Christ-likeness, uh, the character of Jesus, Christian character, or if you want, a simpler way to put it, is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, That is Christ being formed in us. Definition. Uh, like I said, in the body of Christ, how can Christians uh, represent Christ? Personally, it is the Christ-likeness. So this is the responsibility of every Christian for personal, uh, as a personal purpose. Then for the whole ministry of Christ, it is the church, the body of Christ. Okay? Did you get that? Some people are wondering. You don't remember? Okay? There are not little Jesuses. Christians are not little Jesuses running around the world. There's a limit to how much uh, one Christian can represent Jesus. And that limit is Jesus' character. Okay? If you want the ministry of Jesus, it takes the whole body of Christ, which is why uh, the body of Christ is established by Jesus to finish his work or to continue his work. The problem of that stands in the way, of course, is the same problem that Wesley tried to solve, the problem of sinfulness or the sinful nature. And I think Paul, to me, sets out, says it out better. So in Galatians 5, it says the acts of the flesh, and it's actually flesh, uh, the, the, the term is flesh, translated carnal nature in some translations, are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the King of God. As we just remind you, King of God is the name of the Gospel, okay? and the whole purpose of God's salvation. So, what we try, we think that how do you combat the sinful nature? Um, it is reasonable to conclude that it is through self control. 
if you don't want to get angry, angry, you control your anger, right? Everything there, you don't want to get drunk, you don't drink, ah. Self-control, okay? But, um, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, which is the book that I recommend, if you want the starter, okay, if you want the BMT of uh, spiritual disciplines, which I'm going to talk about later, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It's still to me one of the best books uh, written in my lifetime, Christian books. So in his, he writes this, and you, you need to listen carefully. Our ordinary method of dealing with ingrained sin, the flesh, is to launch a frontal attack. We rely on our willpower and determination. Whatever the issue may be, anger, bitterness, gluttony, pride, sexual lust, alcohol, fear, we determine never to do it again. We pray against it, we fight against it, set our will against it. Sometimes we think we can exorcise it also. Like at that time I referred to spirit of anger, you try and you know, drive out, be gone, spirit of anger. So that is the other side. The other side is the willpower. And both are not, to me, correct. But it is all in vain. We find ourselves once again morally bankrupt, or worse yet, so proud of our external righteousness that whitened sepulchres, Jesus' words, is a mild description of our condition. Harry Arnold, in his excellent little book entitled Freedom from Sinful Thoughts, writes, We want to make it clear that we cannot free and purify our own heart by exerting our will. Willpower will never succeed in dealing with the deeply ingrained habits of sin. Emmett Fox writes, As soon as you resist mentally any undesirable or unwanted uh, circumstances, you thereby endow it with more power, power which it will use against you, and you will have depleted your own resources to that exact amount. Haile Arnold concludes, as long as we think we can save ourselves by our own willpower, we can only make the evil in us stronger than ever. And it is true. You cannot defeat the carnal nature, the flesh, by willpower. The answer is the fruit of the Spirit. And very quickly I say, if self-control is the answer against the sinful nature, self-control would not be part of the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know whether you understand that logic, but never mind. Okay? So, why do I say the fruit of the Spirit is the answer? Because just after Galatians the works of the flesh, Galatians 5.22 says, but, there's a but there, you know, you always must understand why the but exists. You know, one T or two T's, but, <laughs> when the but is there, two very important words in the in, in Bible are, but and therefore. They say, if you see a therefore, you must try and understand what is therefore, which is true, principle of, Interpretation. When you see the but, uh, you better understand. And by the way, in, I, I saw in one, I saw in one obituary. Actually, it's a Chinese surname with B U T T. I don't care. I watch, I, I mean, I read obituaries every day. I just tell you that there is a Chinese uh, surname spelled B U T T for whatever reason. I do not know. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. 
it's like the <laughs> okay. Singapore names come out very strange because last time colonial past and all that. Uh, say in Chinese, the Angmoh guy write in English or come out wrong. <laughs> Not Angmoh, sometimes Angmoh, some civil servants, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. Two questions we need to ask. Why is this answer to the flesh called the fruit of the Spirit? Why is fruit of the Spirit called fruit? As opposed to, for example, why is the gift are the gifts of the Holy Spirit called gifts? Huh? Okay, lah. That's right. Okay, I, actually, I preached this before. You all don't remember any, but never mind. The gifts of the Spirit are exactly what? They are like, are you, you take, I don't want to give you. Okay. <laughs> there are gifts of the Spirit. You cannot uh, do anything except to receive the gift because it's a gift. The fruit of the Spirit is called fruit because... Well, some people say like because it got nine, it's like an orange, huh? so it got nine sections. Huh? But I think that's a nonsense idea. Lah. Although the analogy is okay. But I think, in my mind, why the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is called fruit? Because it has to be grown. Fruit don't appear by magic, right? Huh? Okay, and how you grow the fruit? Um... <laughs> I have a weird joke. Ah. Actually, a bit corny, ah, but never mind. Ah. My father's he's 93 now, so he doesn't do it anymore. But in our home home, ah, family home, the garden ah, was called by children when we were young, the jungle. Because there are all kinds of fruit trees. Uh, I can still, there was big, uh, first at the gate, there's big, Bamboo, no yellow bamboo, big clump of it, so big that one day hornets came to nest, and we had to hide in the house for one half a day until the exterminators kill all the hornets. The hornets are that long, uh, look look very yeah, fierce. Uh. <laughs> so there's chiku, then there's uh, star fruit. The star fruit may give have given us like four thousand, five thousand fruits. Uh. It was there for so long. Chikula got sawasap. Uh, sawasap also. Many, many sawasaps. And my grandma, she was living with us, my paternal grandma, she used to cut the sawasap and then make it with rose syrup. Yes, 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 yes. My saliva coming already. <laughs> she also got the, the, the star fruit tree. She wrapped everyone. So you don't wrap, gone. The bird come and okay. So chiku custard apple. We had custard apple. Yes. <laughs> don't be envious. Bible said, do not envy. <coughs> envy is a carnal nature. <laughs> okay. Um, in, in the long run, there was rambutan, sugar cane. He even grew mushrooms. So a lot lah. Now, so I said, you know how he got the fruit to come out now. He gathered all his children ah. Before the fruit. Then he make us a chirtima. Give me an F. F. Give him an R. R. Give him a U. U. Give him an I. Give me a T. T. Fruit. You think he did that? No lie. He's not so crazy. Huh? Because that's not the way trees bear fruit. Well, another way you can try and 
You know what's cekik or not? Who knows what's cekik? Strangle, go to the tree, you just shake, 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 shake. Bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. You don't bear fruit, I Yeah. Is that the way? No. How is how how do you bring the tree to bear fruit? You tend the tree. And as you tend the tree, the result is the fruit. Okay? There are other reasons also, but all things being normal, you tend the tree, the tree will bear fruit. Okay? This is, if you want to be a technicality, uh, this is called instrumentality. It's not a direct result. Okay? Like you want to chop, you take the knife and the, the meat goes into two pieces. That's direct. But instrumentality is different. You tend the, the tend the tree, the fruit comes out. And I think this actually is described in the Bible, in John 14, uh, 15, where Jesus talks about the true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. As such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Why do I connect this with the fruit of the Spirit? In the book of John, when we talk about you shall bear much fruit, many Christians think it's actually evangelism or converts. This has been the traditional interpretation, especially from the evangelical tradition. And I used to think this way. Then it didn't make sense. Because after this, if you look after verse 8, Jesus talks about love, loving your brother and all that. And uh, verse 8, he says, Bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Where else do you think there's something like this? Show yourselves to be my disciples. Love one another. As I have loved you, so that all will know you are my disciples. So if I connect the two dots, I cannot agree that fruit here represents evangelism or even ministry. It is surrounded by love. And so I don't blame Wesley for looking at love expelling sin. Because love, in a sense, is the key. But in this case, to me, love is the result, not the force. Love is the result, not the force. And the result of what? The two key words in this passage are the word meno, which means remain. I remain, you can put abide, continue, talks about communion, endure, or wait. Okay, if you remain in me, and I, you can call it communion. So it's not just staying on your backside, lah, remain. That's not Jesus' intention. Then the other word is kathairo, 
which is to clean or to purge. Okay, this is uh, what the Bible, King James calls pruning. Pruning. So, I'm introducing you now to this area called spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. And to me, they fit these two words in the New Testament. The communion and the purging or what I call deprivation. Okay, So, just as the gardener would nurture the plant to bear fruit, the nurturing of our spiritual lives to bear fruit is through spiritual disciplines. And I think the framework was given in John 15. So here, let me just introduce this book to you. This is the number one best book. If you want, the, it's called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard. Okay, some of you all remember Dallas, right? The TV series. Who shot JR? <laughs> okay, never mind, diverting. We were just showing our age. Uh, Dallas Willard. The strange thing is, it's so ironic. Dallas Willard is a Southern Baptist. And as far as we know, Southern Baptists never go into this area. Never, never, never. So it was a shock when this came out. And this, to me, is uh, the best book on spiritual disciplines, the most complete understanding that has ever come out. I haven't seen a better book. Okay, so you really want to go deep and understand, this is the place to go. Okay? Celebration of discipline, you do your BMT, then this one, the OCS, officer training. Okay? Uh, that, that completes your training. So what are spiritual disciplines? I must tell you, spiritual disciplines have been with the church for 2,000 years. Eh? Only now we think we are too smart. We don't have, we think too old-fashioned. But they were right. Spiritual disciplines were practiced from the very beginning. You know why? Because you look at all the disciplines, you see them in the life of Jesus. Okay? That's the third most important thing you're saying. Spiritual disciplines... Why? Because they were in the life of Jesus, and I'll tell you the implication later. So, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster gives three, uh, three categories. The inward, okay, I just do very quickly. Yeah. Meditation, I don't think we need to, uh, this meditation is not the, the, the other kind of meditation, right? Empty your mind and all that, huh? This is meditating on God's word. Prayer, I think we all know, but uh, prayer should be uh, proper prayer, not just... There's a difference between prayer and what Jesus called constant babbling, uh, that you think you, God hear you because you say again and again repetitively so many times, uh, that he, he warns in Matthew. Fasting, now you think I don't like this one, but uh, my... I had an ulcer many years ago. So my token fast was actually Sunday morning. I didn't take anything until lunch. And only water. That's to protect the, the, the stomach. So that was my token fast. But I still practice that a bit. Study. Study, uh, of course, 
It can be more than just Bible, but uh, it's not study how to do well in casino, uh, that kind of thing. Lah. I'm sure you understand that. Okay, that's the inward disciplines. Outward, simplicity. Simplicity is the hardest to describe. There's a book by uh, Foster called The Freedom of Simplicity. If you're interested in simplicity, uh, which is the most difficult and you may not want to go there in the first uh, instance until you le- learn more about it. Simplicity, uh, as I was trying to explain in the first session, is um, not... Okay, la, the, 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 all the jokers who write about simplicity come to the conclusion that simplicity is very complex, which of course is not very helpful, but um, the idea of simplicity is single, that your life is centered on one single uh, focus. Okay, so that's very difficult, you know that. Our lives got 10,000 different centers, but uh, simplicity as a discipline is to help bring us to one center of our lives. And of course, that is God. Easier said than done. We may claim that we only have one center in our lives, but uh, most of the time you'll be proven wrong. You have more than one. And you have quite a few. Okay, solitude and silence. Solitude. Um, okay, one of the things I benefit from Stanley Chua coming here is that he used to take the staff on uh, silent retreat. So we go there and we all by ourselves ah. cannot, cannot talk to anyone else. Ah. So the solitude, that's good. If you can have a time, that's uh, good. Some of us may not be able to do it, but after two hours we're already climbing the wall and you know, uh, we become very unchristian in our thoughts. So if that's not for you, don't it. Ah. But some experience of solitude, maybe you silence is also good. You know, when I, I lead like prayer meeting, I do five minutes of silence with some uh, good breathing and uh, I think that's very good to still. Um, when I first did this silence, you know, I realized inside me was so noisy. It was like a hornet's nest ah, or bee's nest. Seriously, I could hear all the buzzing in me. But practicing silence after some time, it all quietened down. Ah. Yeah? And if you need silence to practice silence, then you got it wrong. The best place if you can practice silence when like everything is collapsing around you. If you can still be silent in that, uh, then you've got somewhere. Lah, but okay. Uh. No, no, no. It's like, you know, if you're practicing silence and like baby cry, lah, then you, all, you get very irritated. I say, ah, yeah, I'm practicing silence. Why this world must be so noisy? Then you miss the point. Lah. If you can be silent inside with the baby crying and the cars, then I think you have received reach some level of uh, uh, competence. Okay? Service, uh, submission. Submission is, um, I'm not saying this as a pastor, but because Ephesians, Paul says, you all to submit to one another. We learn mutual submission. Okay? Again, that's not so easy. Um, <laughs> especially what Paul talks about wives, huh? Okay, I'm thinking of doing session like this, maybe one Sunday afternoon. Uh, uh, the title will be, "Why?" I want to be very mean by saying, why women must love and men must submit. They'll be very provocative, right? <laughs> because maybe I should put, why men love and women submit. Maybe that will attract something. It's like gender differences 
in uh, relationships, especially marriage. But think about it. It's, it's I won't take four sessions. Uh, maybe one Sunday afternoon, two hours should be enough. <laughs> because after two hours, I might get killed. <laughs> so <laughs> better don't do so much. Okay, submission. Uh, learning to submit to one another because each of us have our place and sometimes we need to follow the other person depending on the context of ministry. Service, of course, uh, that's one of the more straightforward ones. There are many areas in which we can serve and this important thing is to serve with the gifts God has given to us, not to serve in an area we are not gifted for. Uh, I think that's the idea of the discipline of service. And even uh, if we do not like what we are doing in service, if that's our gifting, we stay there. That's the discipline. We may like to do something we are not gifted for and cause chaos. We should not go there. Okay? The discipline is to stay in the service you are gifted for and try not to be too clever and tell God what to do. All right? I think some of us will say, I think God, you made a mistake. Huh? I got more gifts than what... Dangerous, dangerous. Okay, so that's the outward. The corporate one for Richard Foster is confession. Confession, of course, is to uh, share with one another, pray for each other, confess your faults or your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Worship. Um, okay, like I said, the next sessions I'm thinking of is what the Bible really says about certain uh, words, things like worship, uh, holiness, glory, grace. Uh, but see first, uh, next year. Guidance. Um, the spiritual discipline of guidance is linked to, in a sense, submission. Uh, guidance is not just a direct line to God and uh, turn left, turn left, turn right, turn right. Uh, guidance is when we are together and we, uh, we learn corporate. Nah? This is not personal guidance, corporate guidance. Uh, the best example is in the book of Acts, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the task to which I have called them. That was corporate guidance. They stayed together, they prayed, they fasted, and the Spirit spoke distinctly. Okay, that's an example of corporate guidance. So some of these um, disciplines are not done by yourself in isolation. Okay, there's also celebration which again is a concept, but um, this re requires uh, the life of the Christian, the life of the church, that it is the expression of the life more abundant. Dallas only has two categories, abstinence and engagement, which I think uh, fit deprivation and communion. Okay, so Willard, and there's some repetition here, uh, solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, uh, <laughs> he wanted to make racist joke, but okay, better don't say that. Some people, some okay, never mind. For some people, frugality is not a discipline. <laughs> if you understand that, you understand. If not, then never mind. So that's not a discipline for that person, but never mind. <laughs> Chastity, sacrifice, secrecy. Secrecy is not uh, James Bond or you. You got. There are no secrets from God. Uh. Um, 
there's an implication that people have that you know, the secrets of God are with his friends and the friendship of God are those who fear him. That is not secret. Huh? The word secret there in the Old Testament means the communion of God, not the I tell you something no one else will know. Uh, some Christians think that God has told them something no other Christians will know. They've got the secret. That's very unbiblical. There are no secrets in the Bible. There's only mysteries. And most of the mysteries were uncovered in Jesus Christ. Okay, so if someone tells you, tells you they have this secret from God that no other Christian knows, then you say, you better check your source. Your source code is wrong. Okay, the secrecy here is actually anonymity. Where Jesus himself says, you do something good, don't tell the whole world. Just keep secret because your heavenly father who sees you will reward you in secret. What you do in secret and you, what you do and not in secret, all the good things you do and everyone praises you, your reward gone already, you know, because you have your reward. Your reward is the praise of people. And once you get that, don't need to know no banking, no credit. Okay? No right side, left side, because never get there. You have your reward already. So there are things that we need to understand. We need to do in secret so that our Heavenly Father who sees in secret then will respond to us. Okay? Because if we don't do it in secret, there's no response. Ah. You understand what I'm trying to say? Okay? So engagement or communion, the study, again, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, I suppose, uh, that's also confession and submission. So these uh, we have explained and that's uh, the list. Okay. Which disciplines should we practice? As I said, not all are needed at the same time. If you're trying to do all this, I think you may go crazy because you can't keep track and it'll turn you into a worse person than what should. I mean, the result is opposite. What we need to choose are those who are, which are difficult. If you're the kind of person uh, who eats once a day, fasting is not your discipline, okay? You understand? Celebration maybe, but fasting is not your discipline. It's useless for you. If you cannot eat, that fasting is not a discipline. Uh, if you like to read books all the time and cut out the whole world, study in that sense is not your discipline. Okay, for example, then if you want, another uh, fasting can also be not just from food. You can fast from television. You can fast from... Uh, Shopping, uh, you can fast from handphone. There are many ways. Fasting is just the deprivation. Okay, um, so you need to choose carefully and choose the ones that are real disciplines, not the stuff that you like to do and makes you feel spiritual. That's the okay. Huh? That one doesn't count. But you try and include different categories, like for Richard Foster's list. You try and do inward, outward, corporate. Uh, and this is more than just Bible study and devotion. Huh? This is beyond Bible study and devotion. Bible study and devotion may be your discipline, that's fine. But this is slightly different from that. Okay? And it has to be practiced throughout our lives. Okay. Willard makes two points that are very important in the area of spiritual. Number one, it shows us that the body 
is part of our Christian discipleship. The body is important. We sometimes think that our life is so spiritual, the physical body is not important. It is. The spiritual disciplines are also to um, disciple and steward our bodies, our appetites. Bodies does not mean only physical bodies, or it does, but it's also psychological. Everything that happens in the human life. But the body cannot be excluded. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I batter my body, I subject my body yeah, to bring it to... The word is slavery. Yeah? Although in some is submission... I, I, so, technically it means I whack, I bat, batter, B-A-T-T-E-R. This is not the thing that make pancake. Ah. Batter is what you do to soften a steak. Okay? So I batter my body to bring it to slavery so that in the end, I will not have been disqualified. That's how seriously Paul regards the disciplining of our bodies. And this is the role of the spiritual disciplines. And the last point that I make before I turn to how do you know you may be mature, Jesus in this earthly life did all of this. Okay? You look in the Bible, you can find all of these things. Guarantee. You need my help, you can go read the book. Every one of these Jesus did in his earthly life. You can't, you're going to try and tell me which one he didn't do. I tell you you're wrong. Okay? If Jesus as a human being needed the spiritual disciplines, needed, eh? how much more do we? Okay, you can write down that one. Because that one is Melvin quote. It's a paraphrase, but if Jesus in his earthly life in the human body needed to do all these spiritual disciplines, how much more do we? Now, of course, we can't do it like him. He go mountain and then he go and don't sleep, pray the whole night, fasting 40 days. I think you do that. I have to see you in hospital or maybe conduct funeral. 40 days, don't try. <laughs> Although some people have have managed uh, like three weeks of partial fast. That means they don't eat. They just drink three weeks. Uh, that one, you better go and see doctor and clear you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not recommending that. Okay? But given fasting, there are different kinds of fast. There's absolute fast. There's partial fasting. You can drink. Or you don't have fast. You can do one day, two days. Um, if you want to do more than that, um, I think you better get technical help for persons who have gone through it. John Wesley fasted Wednesday, Friday. And I don't know whether absolute, or I can't remember. But if you want to start, you can start half a day, partial fast. And uh, the regularity may be more important. Okay, leave it to you. But if, if Jesus uh, needed to do it... Um, Okay. 
besides the fruit of the Spirit, how do we know we are mature? So, the text. You know, I always leave some part that you must have to write, don't care whether, never print, you must write, huh? Okay, in Hebrews chapter 5, starting from verse 11, this is what the author of Hebrews writes. Uh, some people think it's Paul, I don't think so. And again, I preach this sermon, even you can dig up the sermon from the sermon archives, but this is what it says. Uh, About this we have much to say, it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This other signs of Christian maturity besides the character of Christ. These are the abilities, the ability to teach. Now, teach doesn't have to be like this, theologically trained. Teach is to be able to pass on what you know to a younger Christian. We call it discipleship for what one of a better term. But a Christian who is going to maturity has the ability to Nurture, help nurture a younger believer in some way or another. It could also be teaching Sunday school and all that. It's just the practice of uh, instructing what you have received from me, pass on to others, Paul says. Although he talks about men, I'm sure he includes women nowadays as well. Because he says you need to be teach you again the basic principles. So this is the problem. The, is, is again and again. Many in church just come for service and listen to the same topics of uh, the scriptures repeatedly, repeated. Because one year, how many? I mean, in, those who have been here, any been here 25 years now in church? 25 years? Yeah, I'm sure you heard different topics all the time. Ah. It's again and again and again. And uh, then you say, then in your mind, because you forgot the last time, I didn't know that. But actually, you you should know, lah. If you don't know, it's your fault. Okay, so you you should not be in a position where you have to go through um, BMT one more time, one more time, one more time, or repeat primary six seventy two years in a row. But this is happening to to Christians, you know, and this is what. Uh, the writer of the Bible, uh, Hebrews, is saying this should not be happening. You should not have to be taught again and again and again. Okay, And there's a difference between milk and solid food. Paul says newborn babes desire the milk of the word. But those are the newborn babes. After you come over the newborn babe, 20 years you're still a newborn babe and you still, the milk is very susara. Don't you think that's totally against the, 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 the totally against nature, whether it's spiritual or physical? 
Anything that happens, that means there's something wrong with the person, the baby, the child. Yeah. So solid food. Uh, so milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Solid food is for the mature, teleos. They have powers, discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish between good from evil. So the person who is mature can distinguish uh, differences in teaching, can distinguish uh, what is good and bad in, in application, and they are given the skill of discernment, the, the ability to say, uh, this is okay, this is not okay. Those are the signs of um, a mature person. Not always, uh, better ask pastor, lah, this is okay or not okay. okay. So, I mean, if you have to ask, you ask, but the person who is mature should be able to say, yeah, according to the Bible, from what I know, uh, but then if you want to, you ought to know, then you can check. But you check from the position that you think you know, rather than I have no idea. So let's check. There's a difference in that. There's a difference between milk and solid food. That makes sense now. I think so. Huh? Uh, and so then uh, continuing Hebrews 6.1, Let us therefore leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, teleos, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of instruction of washing, the laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Okay, so the, the encouragement from the writer of Hebrews to maturity is that these are the foundations of faith. Uh, if you look at Apostles' Creed and you cannot tell what Apostles' Creed, all these things are about, then you have not gone on to maturity. The Apostles' Creed are the basic statement of faith. And if you need to be taught again, God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, Holy Son, Jesus Christ, uh, born Virgin Mary, da-da-da-da, Holy Spirit, Church, those are the basics of faith. And Bible tells us that we need to be able to go beyond that, not need to hear that again and again and again. Doesn't mean we should not preach it again and again and again. Okay, because there are always newer people in church. And we can always gain some other insights. But we do not need it. Yeah, other people may be feeding babies with milk, but we also uh, look for the solid food. And solid food can be defined as we don't need the feeding directly from the pulpit. So if you are depending on the pulpit to feed you every Sunday and there's nothing else, you're in trouble. Because that's not biblical. Bible does not say that at all. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there's a implication sermon does not... Uh, sermon is actually not in the Bible. The, the, the teaching of the Bible does not come through sermon. Uh. Just let you know. Uh, in its ideal sense. It comes through uh, sharing, learning together, studying and um, practicing. This is how we mature. And if we want to mature, like we are supposed to, remember we talked about um, the church, how when the whole body works together, we all grow into maturity in Christ. So the elements of maturity are actually not, as straightforward, there's the fruit of the Spirit through spiritual disciplines. Okay, There's training 
And here is actual training. Hebrews talks about training. Uh. This is like uh, going for, for some skill class. Training so that you can teach and uh, discern um, and have solid food. There's also the maturity that comes from the body of Christ serving together. And when all these things come together, then there's a hope of Paul's um, ministry goal to present everyone perfect or mature in Christ, to which I give all my energy. Okay? Uh, I cannot compare myself to Paula, but I have given some energy in this area, not very successfully, but I, I take, take cue, I, not my fault. I say, you, ask, you go ask me, why you do that? Like, Paul, Paul, Paul is the one that did, uh, he, he set the example, so that's what I'm trying to do. So many parts of my uh, ministry up to, has been to urge people onto maturity, which is in a sense why I seldom preach all these fundamentals of the faith kind of thing. Uh, my topics are a bit weird sometimes, I know. But I'm trying to push those who are ready to go beyond just the fundamentals of the faith which writer of Hebrews says we need to leave behind, not go over again and again and again. Huh? You cannot go to primary school after primary six, go back primary one, go primary six, go back primary one, go primary six. This, this is the kind of picture that the Bible is, is giving to us. And I think we need to respond a bit uh, better um, in this area. Okay, I think uh, <laughs> exhausted. Eh? <laughs> any any questions? Uh, if not, that is about what I have sought to do in this uh, time. I I, I think uh, I don't need to remind you. Huh? Gospel is the kingdom, body of Christ. Actually, it's Trinitarian. Huh? Gospel of the King of God, the body of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And after the Trinity, then it becomes the goal, which is Christian maturity, both individual and corporate. This, I think, to me, uh, is my framework for ministry as pastor and also as Christian. All right, very quickly, before we conclude, any um, questions, anything you want to clarify? Well, either you don't understand anything or... Okay, okay, what, what? You have? No? Nothing? Quick scan. I don't wait long. Three... What? Uh-huh. Yeah, so... The, the, okay, the major understanding is we practice the disciplines. And when we practice the disciplines and subject our body and mind and spirit, the, ex, the, the instrumental result, the, the supernatural or natural byproduct is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something we consciously try to exude. It cannot say that I'm going to love no matter what. If I love is not in me, I've got to squeeze it out. Or you end up with what you call CCs. Not CC, a constipated Christian. 
constipation I define as squeezing something that cannot come out. So those, if, that's the, that's those who try to squeeze out by self-control, produce the fruit of the Spirit, you get, you get constipated Christians because it's not going to come out. It's only when you do the disciplines that the love is a result. Joy and the peace as you engage in the disciplines. Not spontaneous, uh, natural, supernatural, whatever. Uh, some people are not spontaneous. Uh, discipline and spontaneity may be a bit opposite. Uh, it, it comes as a result uh, of your engagement. Mm. No, 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 no. I, I think, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a different idea. If you do sacrifice or service because you want the reward, you have the reward already. Yeah, Jesus told you very clear because that's the wrong motivation. But if you do the sacrifice and hoping that as you do this, the end result will be fruit of the Spirit produced in your life, I think that's okay. Because you are engaging in the discipline. Yeah. Anyway, the love, joy, peace is not considered reward. Lah. You know, it's part of the Christian character. So I think that's noble enough. Lah. That's good and biblical enough. Yeah, I, I guess uh, we just uh, want to put our hands together to thank thank uh, Pastor Melvin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for the past four weeks, I think he has uh, fed us with uh, with a lot of uh, good insights, uh, different perspective from the gospel, from the body of Christ, you know, from the Holy Spirit, and even today, Christ's uh, maturity. Right. So I guess if you want to continue to. Uh, to hear him and to receive his teaching with God's gift has given him. Let's clap even louder so that we welcome him back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think he have uh, subtly, yeah. He re- he's a promise that he gave to us after he retired. I guess uh, we are very uh, grateful and thankful that uh, he spent his time uh, writing out and even preparing this uh, this uh, teaching for us for the past four weeks. So I guess uh, we want really want to thank you for that. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us to the end of this series. We pray that you have, uh, you will have guided us and helped us. We pray that we may not only uh, gain mentally, but we will be able to put into practice what we have learned. So we commend you ourselves, uh, asking that you. Send us off with your benediction and grace, which we ask for in Jesus' name. Amen.